There's one spot that I'm a little iffy on. All right, let's hear the. I didn't know if you Lindsay the singing the, the books <laughs> of the I Bible. I can say them. I'm not gonna sing them. All right. No, no, no. no you gotta I sing I it. I can't sing them. I'm. I don't wanna. <laughs> no, you, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said you want me to sing it? Yeah. No, I'm not gonna do it. Don't ask. <laughs> I'm going to. It just means just I have the softly. capability of doing it. I don't know I if you have the capability unless you do it. That's how one of the first things we did in Bible college was learn the books of the Bible. And I was like, how Be do you guys song? not know this? No, that's how I knew it though. Oh. Let's hear it. Like and a one. And a two. And a one, two, three. Real quick. Come on. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is the Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to the Thought Factory podcast. We are so glad you're here, and we're excited to jump into today's topic with a good friend, special guest, if you will, that's joining us, and we're excited to have her. We'll introduce her in a second. But before we do that, we always tell you about what, where we've been. Jason, where have we been leading up to today? We have been in the realm of church commitment and students, as well as their faith commitment. Those are the last couple of episodes that we have discussed, and now we are in the Bible aspect of our episodes where we are looking at what students are saying about the Bible and the trend of the importance of the Bible. Watch this segue, Rainer. Speaking of trends, we want you to know about the research that we're doing. That's available to you for free if you go to neverthesame.org slash trend report. You can find the information there. You can download as well as some video training pieces that help facilitate some discussion around this research. We would encourage you to go there, look at that. That's a resource that's been provided for you, especially if you're a youth worker. This is something you can use. We do one per topic. There's eight videos there that will be available throughout this year. It's designed really with the thought of you could use one of those a month for different discussions or training sessions that you're having with your volunteer or your youth ministry staff. So those are available at neverthesame.org slash trendreport. One more thing, Jason, before we jump in today, and that's Claim Your Campus 2020. We want everyone to know about what this is. It's happening next summer, July 4th weekend of the year 2020. It's a gathering of students from 10,000 schools around the nation to help them show and share Jesus at their school. This will be what we call a moment to mobilize a movement. It is a moment where we're gathering together in one place at one time. It is not live stream. You have to be there live. A friend of mine was telling me the other night, he was watching the World Series, and one of the uh, broadcasters said, history happens live, and we think that's true. You need to be there for this event. And that's happening July 4th weekend. It will feel a lot like a music festival, but it will be focused on these students having a moment as a generation to represent our nation to be there and to have a moment with God. And then we're going to equip them to go back to their schools and show and share Jesus in very specific ways. Number one is participate in a weekly prayer group. We are seeing schools across the nation just being flipped upside down as students are praying. Just so many amazing things are happening at schools as students pray. So we want to make sure every student that goes knows why prayer is important at their school, why is it important in their life, and why they need to be doing it every week at their school with their friends. We're also going to be 
showing them how to verbally be able to share their faith and their love for Christ with their friends. And the last thing is we're going to show them how they can serve and what they can do on campus to show the love of Jesus through their actions. So it's a prayer, share, care. That's a three quick word um, way of thinking about what they'll walk away from this event. It's an event unlike any other where students will go back representing their school to be Jesus on their campus, and we want to see you there. It's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. This isn't going to, you know, this isn't going to happen again. It's one time, July 4, 2020, and we want to see you there. Bring some students and get there. Learn more at ClaimYourCampus2020.com or join us on our Facebook page where there's uh, constant information coming out about what's happening at the event. And on that page, you'll find that every Tuesday night, you can join me and a couple of my friends at 9 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night for a Facebook live stream where we're giving up-to-the-minute details about what's happening for the event. All right. All that being said, Jason, is there anything else you want to add? I was just going to say, if you have listened to this podcast for any length of period of time, you've heard us mention Claim Your Campus 2020 a number of times. And the year 2020 just seems so far away. But as this episode gets released, it is a month away for the year 2020. Yeah, the event is many months after that, but we wanna encourage you to get involved right now. We wanna encourage you to sign up, become an an adult advocate, sign up for the event, even though you may think, well, that's seven, eight months away from now. You know, we we tend to only look at things a couple of months ahead of our, our schedule and then we start to commit, but we are really wanting you to commit now and encourage you to do so. So, yeah, 2020 is right around the corner, and we want you to get in as an early adopter. We only have room for about 10,000 schools. There are currently right now about 69,000 middle and high schools, public, private, and charter in the United States. So we only have room for about 15% of schools to be there. So we want to get you there and get you signed up. So you can find out more at ClaimYourCampus2020.com. All right, we're going to jump into today's episode with something that we're very passionate about. Our very first episode, Jason. Back in 2016, October, our very first episode was about this topic. It's something that we care about a lot. When we launched the Thought Factory podcast, we talked about students in the Bible, and they want to know one thing. Do you remember what that one thing was? I don't. I'm a feeling you're going to tell me. (laughs) They want to know where to start when it comes to reading the Bible. That was our first episode when we looked at the stats and all the the research that we gathered from the students over the summers, we looked at it and saw that they are not reading the Bible because they ultimately want to know where to start. It's not that they don't care about it. It's not that it's it's not important. It's help me have an on-ramp into reading the Bible. And the students are saying that to the adults that that care about these students. And so that was our very first episode as a, a podcast because we just thought it was so striking. Now, as, as I've seen the broad landscape of youth ministry around the world, but specifically around um, the United States where we live, there's one person that I feel like has a pulse on where the trends are at when it comes to students. You know, we, our ministry, we interact with, um, with Zondervan and the publishing world and with some other Bible publishers with the Center for Bible Engagement. We know the leadership uh, of that organization we connect with the American Bible Society. There's a lot of different avenues and conversations and people that we're connected to. But here's what we're finding is that this person today, 
who happens to be on her staff, really has a pulse more than anyone I know in the landscape of youth ministry about students in the Bible. And it's something that she is passionate about. She's the director for Bible engagement here at Never the Same. And uh, her name is Lindsay Gorvett. Lindsay, you've been here before, but it's good to have you back. I do. I recognize this room. Yes. Yeah, good. Just, it's good to be here. Good. Yeah, we're in the middle of a room with a bunch of boxes. That's where we are. Hey, the birds aren't chirping right now. That's so right. It's good time. We're good. The rain is not falling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lindsay, it's good to have you here. Thanks for here. your passion. Just open us up by talking about what you are seeing with students in the Bible uh, around the country in the in the landscape of youth ministry. I've been doing this for almost three years now. So we've gone through a couple different seasons of research and analysis and getting to ask some of the same questions over the last couple of years to see some where some of the trends are going. And um, like you said, all over the country, anywhere from New York to Oklahoma, you know, um, here close by in Indiana. Can you and sing all those states' names? I don't think I can. Oh, okay. Next episode. Okay. Just, uh, give me some time to prepare. <laughs> and um, yeah, some of the things that we're seeing is a little bit of what you said even the first episode was about. I think that's really interesting. The 2016 students don't know where to start. Even in our research just a couple months ago when we did it with um, almost 3,000 students, we found the number one reason is students don't know where to start when it comes to not reading the Bible. And so it's it's a problem that hasn't really been solved yet. I mean, I don't know what the statistic was in 2017. Right now, it's about 34% of students that would say that's the number one reason. Um, right just above, I don't have enough time. So those seem to be the two reasons. And Jeff, even like you said, with the American Bible Society, they say with the adults, it's the same exact top two reasons. They don't know where to start. They don't have enough time. So what's kind of scary is maybe that will continue to be the thing if these students continue to not know where to start and continue to believe that they can't you know, uh, make time in their schedules. And then in 10 years when they're adults and we're doing this research, we're finding the same thing. So, um, yeah, what we do is just try and find ways to combat that and set students up well so that these numbers hopefully continue to decrease in the next couple of years. So speaking, I mean, you've, you've been in youth ministry in local church. You're still involved in local church, even with your role here. So you're involved on a week to week basis with students as well. But why do you think the Bible, I mean, people listening to this, youth workers I'm thinking of specifically, why is it important for them to be thinking about the Bible in terms of their ministry and, and where the Bible's positioned in their ministry? Why is that important? I think it's the most important thing that youth ministries can be thinking about, and I think it's the only thing that youth ministries should have at the center of what they're doing with students. I mean, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And so the number one way that we can grow as Christians is to be centered in the Bible and obviously spiritual disciplines. The way we get to know who Jesus is, is through his word. And if we're not connected to it and we're not emphasizing it with our students, what kind of, I mean, this might sound a little harsh, but what kind of Christianity are we giving them if it's void of the very book that was written for us to learn how to be Christians or be like Jesus? I shouldn't say learn how to be Christians, learn how to be like Jesus. So um, I, I think that's why it's important because <laughs> I think it's the most important thing that God gave us is the inspired word that was written for us to learn how to walk and be like Jesus. When you say make it the center, what's that? How do you define that? What's that mean to you? What's that look like practically? 
just putting the effort into helping students learn how to understand what it is, learn how to make it a, a part of their life. Obviously, you know, your hour and a half on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights doesn't need to just be opening the Bible and reading it together. Um, but pouring time and energy and investment into it and not just making it a throwaway at the end of the night, like, oh, by the way, read your Bible this week. And I've been guilty of that as a youth pastor and even as a small group leader, because it's kind of scary and daunting to make it the the focus. But I think it's the most important thing that we should be doing as youth leaders. So you're saying there's more of a, a difference between saying, hey, go and read your Bible. It's important. Read your Bible when you're home. Spend some time with God. Read your Bible versus integrating Bible reading and engagement into the program that they may be leading, correct? Sure, and it it's different if you have a group of 10 versus a group of 10,000. <laughs> I think I was meaning to say 100, and I, <laughs> if you have a youth group of 10,000, call us. I'd love to learn about it. Um, it's it's different in every youth group. You know, I, I used to be a youth pastor at a church of, uh, you know, with a youth group of about 70 or 80, and now I'm a small group leader at a youth group of eight. So I think it just looks different in both contexts. So then what would you say to those leaders that are saying, well, it's just not fun. It's not, the students aren't engaged. How would you respond to that? I think they're called spiritual disciplines for a reason. And I think they take some time and some energy to incorporate. And when I say they, I mean Bible reading prayer, but we're really talking about Bible reading. It takes intentionality. It takes carving time out of your day. And you know, it's it's a process of understanding how the Bible works and understanding the context of Scripture. But it's, the you know, the more we're connected to it, the more we understand the need for it. You know, the more we're consistently in it, the more we realize that's where our life, uh, where life comes from, is from the words of Jesus and our relationship with him. So, Lindsay, you and I are a part of this uh, couple-year cohort, youth ministry. And what, we talked about how to integrate the Bible we had discussions about how do we integrate the Bible into our program when our youth group meets together? How do we integrate it into our teaching, into students' everyday lives? And um, I, I remember one of the things that, that came up in one of our discussions in in a cohort was just the idea of how much time are we giving the Bible in our teaching? I was at a conference just uh, a couple weeks ago, and they talked about that passage in the New Testament that says, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. In fact, the Bible Project has a video on that that came out about what does that mean, the public reading of Scripture. If you go to a synagogue today, that's the majority of their time is they'll sit and just listen to the, the Torah being read or recited. And, and there's this idea, we've been in discussions with Institute for Bible Reading, and they've about like a trust. Do we trust the Bible on its own, or do we feel like we have to just give them the good parts, or or edit it for time so that you know we're not reading a bunch and losing people's attention? And I definitely feel that pressure. And at this conference, during the five or six sessions, we listened to the whole book of Esther being narrated, and it was a very interesting concept. And what I what I'd like to hear from you, Lindsay, is you know what. When it comes to students and w us working with them as adults, how can we better practice trusting the Bible in our ministries and with our students? Because you're hearing that a lot, people going, it's hard to get students engaged in the Bible. It's not part of our culture and our ministries. And what do we need to do to, to build that trust in the Bible? Part of the thing I think that youth groups do, and again, 
guilty of it in in more ways than one when I was youth pastor and even now is I think that we just bend a little bit to what students are used to and don't want to burden them with anything don't want to give them like quote-unquote homework when they leave youth group don't want to challenge them too much because you don't want to push them away and there's validity in that getting students through the door of a church that might never be in a church otherwise you know you want to make sure they feel safe and welcome you don't want to scare them away but at the same time you know, Jesus didn't hold a lower standard. Jesus held a standard for those who wanted to follow him. I mean, he says in the Bible, give everything up that you have, sell everything and give it to the poor. And um, I don't think Jesus was afraid to set that standard. That doesn't mean that we require memorization of a book of the Bible every week when students walk through the door. But I just think recognizing that the call of the life of a Christian is not to walk on the wide path. It's to walk on the path that is narrow. But there's great reward for that, and um, our lives look different because of that. So I'm not totally sure if that answers your question, but I just think Vaguely. we, we <laughs> I think we ride this line of, um, you know, what culture you know allows, and and giving students a way out, and then really challenging them to step up because I think students want that and need that more than maybe they think they do. I was having a conversation with a youth pastor. We were discussing an event, and conversation turned to the meat of the event and the amount of money that you're putting into an event, a gathering, whether it's a special event or a weekly gathering. And the, the meat of the event had no scripture reading, had no message, had no truth speaking. It just was a gathering of fun and games. And it, it struck me as going, you're putting all this money in and you're missing the opportunity to speak into the lives of students. And it wasn't so much like a harsh rebuke about what they're doing. It was just like a challenge of why are we gathering? Why do we have students amongst us in a group and we have the influence and we, we don't, we squander that by not reading the Bible, not engaging the Bible with them and not teaching them how to engage the Bible outside of this group. And so there's those times when, when, yeah, we're talking about the culture of students, we don't want to burden them, but how can we shift that culture to, to get the students to go, yeah, I want this. When I interact with students and I hear one of the number one things they want to know is what's God's will for my life? How do I know God's voice? How do I know when God's speaking to me? And how do I know where he wants to guide me? A lot of times we think of God's will and and his voice in terms of present tense. And I completely believe that as as Holy Spirit-filled believers, we are constantly hearing the fresh and current voice of God. But if we don't have that in context of what God's already spoken, that's the big missing piece that's happening. And, And I think when we work with students... We need to address with them the answer to that question in terms of not what is God saying, but what is God said. What's already there that we can go to? And for us, I mean, we're so blessed to have it in black and white. And we can look at it ourselves. We can look at it anytime we want, electronically, in print. And we can look and see what has God said? How has he interacted with his people and all these different ups and downs and situations? And what did the people of God in the Old Testament face and what was Jesus saying and what did what commentary was Paul and some of the authors of the New Testament what were they 
commentating about and talking about and helping us understand. And so somehow we've got to bridge that gap to to begin to address that with um, students. So, Lindsay, you're challenging youth ministries across the country to approach their use of the Bible in a, in a different way. And I want to ask a two-part question. The first is, how are you challenging them? And then what responses, positive and negative, are you getting that? How are you, how are you encouraging and challenging youth ministries to approach the Bible? When I'm talking to youth pastors, I usually say two things. The first thing I say is tweak your perception of what the Bible is uh, and how it relates to your youth ministry instead of it being an additive, instead of discipleship being an additive to what you're doing, uh, making it the, the core of what you're doing through the Bible. So where are the places that the Bible should be? Where is it not? Where can it be more? And then uh, how can you start to integrate that, whether it's more time in the Bible in your small group, whether it's sending your students home with something tangible to really engage with the Bible throughout the week instead of just, hey, read your Bible, talk to you later, you know, love you, bye. What are some ways, some accountability even, where students can come back the week after knowing that they you know, were given something to take home with them. And then the second thing I would say is to tweak your expectation of how that might actually go. Because you know, we're really, what you're doing when we're doing this is it's not just adding something to your ministry, it's really changing the culture, depending where you're at. It could be totally changing the culture of your youth ministry. If students aren't used to that and all of a sudden this is becoming a part of your ministry, that's awesome. But just expecting that it might take some time for them to really adjust to that and and dive into it completely and so to not be discouraged if students say that they don't want to do it or you know they didn't have time or or whatever you're giving them the tools to start and uh, God will honor that and he'll be faithful with that as you're faithful to you know giving your students his word and, and give them the opportunity to really get to know Jesus through it and you know that's met with some some different reactions you know people have a lot of success with it depending where their students are at when they start and then some people do come back and say you know my students just just aren't really into it which you know for a youth pastor to say my students just don't like reading the bible and being willing to be okay with that is is kind of discouraging and it's kind of scary you know if I'm being honest it's like where are we at in youth ministry right now where we're willing just to say after two or three months of trying it, well, my students just aren't really into the Bible. Okay, well, then there's some some deeper things there that are going to manifest themselves in different ways. If your students aren't interested in growing closer to Jesus, I mean, what what is the heartbeat of your ministry? What are you doing every Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night? Because that should be the only reason that you're there, you know, to build community and to grow and know Jesus. So, um totally recognizing that it's an uphill climb, but it's the climb that we're called to as youth ministry leaders and pastors and to not just back down from it when we meet a little bit of opposition. I remember making Bible engagement a goal as a youth pastor about 20 years ago. And it's weird. I'd never met another youth pastor that I'd known that had that same goal. I think everyone wanted that, but it wasn't just out in the open and out front. And I remember just saying, how can I get my students to read the Bible on a regular basis? And I I put one of our programs kind of on the chopping block in terms of, I said, I want this, we met on Sunday mornings concurrent with our worship services, and that was like our discipleship, you know, quote-unquote uh, programming time throughout the week. And I said, 
we're just going to make this whole Sunday morning deal about encouraging them to read the Bible throughout the week. So rather than the focus being Sunday morning and bringing them together, the focus was pointing towards the week. And the Sunday morning was a support to that rather than the other way around, if that makes sense. And so I, we came up with this plan. I got, you know, we, a few of us created it um, and came to our adults and students and said, hey, we want to do this. And the reception, frankly, like you're saying, Lindsay, with some ministries you've interacted with was pretty cold. It was like, oh, man, it felt kind of like homework. Like, really, you're going to make us read the Bible? And some said it out loud, and some you just knew that was what they were thinking. It was like, all right, I guess if, you know, we have to or whatever. And I think if I would have just stopped within that first year, by the results I got in that first school year, I would have been too discouraged and said, forget it. You know, because I would say we were probably at a 20 to 25% Bible engagement percentage of our of our student ministry. So, you know, 20, 25% of our students were, were regularly reading the Bible in some way. By the end of two years, that was about 50%. By the end of three years, it was up between two-thirds and 75%. And what I say to people is that to me, culture is one of the most important things that we need to talk about. We talk about leadership all the time. I'm actually kind of done with that conversation. I'm really a lot more interested in culture. because, And you have to be a great leader to shape culture, but I found that culture is shaped by one person with an unshakable conviction. And if you're listening to this and you're going, I resonate with that, but I don't think I could get my kids to read the Bible. Here's what I would say to you. You can be okay with that, like Lindsay's saying, or you can say, no, I'm not going to settle for that. Not why I'm involved in this. And I think if you refuse to give up, you'll win. You just have to, you just have to be the last person standing, in effect. Well, it, it also speaks into the path of least resistance because you're talking about six weeks, two months of trying Bible engagement it's like, that's not working for my students. And Jeff, you're talking three years and you're seeing the results. Yeah. So you have to fight that, that almost subconscious path of least resistance. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to, I don't want to see this get through where it takes years to kind of see this culture change. It's like, I want it now. I want to see results now in the next month. I got to give a report of what I'm doing. It's like, man, changing culture is going to take time. And do you have the conviction to be standing up against what's coming against you. That's why the diet industry will never go away because people are always looking for the latest fad. How can I lose 20 pounds in the next month? Rather than a culture shift in your lifestyle, you look for the quick fix. We definitely see that in youth ministry. I think Bible engagement is a long-term deal. You can't go in and go, I'm going to get my kids in our ministry to to center ourselves around the Bible this year. I think it's a it's a much longer discussion and project. And like you said, Lindsay, it is an uphill battle. There's no question about it. I want to just clarify. I think that it's the heartbeat of every youth leader and youth pastor that their students would read the Bible. But I think the two of you just touched on it really strongly is that it is just a, it takes time. And I think we all desire it, but I don't know if we all have the patience for it. And that's the that's the kicker, and that's why we don't see the results that we want to see. Yeah, unrealistic expectations can be so dangerous because if if we go, well, we're going to change this in a year. I always say there's that three-year rule. I refer to it all the time around our organization. 
if you're going to change something, it's going to take you three years before you know if it's really worked or not. And that's why I'd say to people, if you're going to make a big leadership ministry decision, you better be willing to stick it with it for three years. Because if you don't, you're not going to really get a true assessment of whether or not it's going to work. Unfortunately, for a lot of youth pastors, they're not around in three years, which makes it hard, really difficult. It's a kind of a catch-22, but it's important. Lindsay, it's so good having you here. I can't wait. On the next episode, we're going to be talking to you about some of the things like up-to-date research and what you're learning about students and Bible engagement and some specific ways that we can integrate that into our ministry. So I can't wait to talk about it. I also have to learn the state song by then too. You do, because that's your intro. Okay, Okay. I've got homework. Okay. (laughs) The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.